It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler. And this week's guest is legendary moto photographer, Simon Cudby. Moto America is an official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, home of AMA Superbike and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series is coming to Atlanta. Come see 190 mile per hour plus superbikes as they take on Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, April 22nd through the 24th. Tickets are available now at MotoAmerica.com along with VIP, camping, and Harley-Davidson packages. There will be seven classes of road racing, including the ever-popular King of the Baggers and Roland Sands Super Hooligans. Enjoy three days of practice, qualifying, and racing, as well as stunt shows, carnival games, and a motorcycle show. Moto America is fun for the entire family, and kids under 12 are free. Visit MotoAmerica.com to purchase tickets and reserve your camping spot. Tickets, info, and a complete schedule can be found at MotoAmerica.com forward slash tickets. Be sure to also follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This week's race recap is AMA Monster Energy Supercross from Atlanta Super Speedway Round 14. And for me, the story of this weekend was not only the track, but the conditions. I mean, the track was great because it was a super speedway, which led to extended lap times which is always exciting racing. And then the conditions, they had an epic amount of rain hit the Atlanta area on uh, Friday night, which uh, just saturated the track and made soup out of everything. Hats off to the crew and Supercross and Feld for pulling it together and actually had a really decent race day on Saturday. And running away with it, I thought, was Jason Anderson. Just looks strong, won his qualifier, and then goes out and just dominates in the main really just had a five-second lead and kind of walked away from the pack. He really was having fun. Anderson looked like he was back in his groove after a couple weeks of, of uh, you know, no wins. Yeah, he just seemed to have E.T.'s number, although I think, you know, from, from what I, my observation is he's definitely in championship mode at the moment, Eli Tomac. He could have probably went for the win. And in the heat race and the main event, he had a pretty good battle in the heat race, race with Anderson and I think he got a little bit, you know, racy there, and then I uh, backed it down because I think he knew the championship was well within reach for him. But, but yeah, excellent racing. Another big storyline for me though in 450 was Chase Sexton once again. What could have been? We're are seeing the potential of Chase Sexton if he can just eliminate some of these mistakes. It's going to be pretty unbelievable what we're going to see out of Chase Sexton in the future. And I think we got a glimpse of that in that 450 race. In 250 action, we saw some. Uh... East-West Showdown, and that was uh, one of those cool events where they combined the two series into one, and surprisingly, I thought, Hunter Lawrence starts out out front and just takes it home while his brother, Jet Lawrence, kind of struggled. He fell down a little bit. I think that uh, slippery clay in the, in, the, in the wet conditions 
snuck up on him a little bit, but uh, he fought his way back, finished P3 on the day, so it wasn't a total loss, and he continues to lead the points in his series. But uh, for Hunter Lawrence, I was really just excited and pumped for him. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. He went from, uh, I'll say, he went from bin to win, crashing his brains out on Friday on a huge triple jump that they ended up taking out of the track. Rebounds, takes the win on Saturday. Pretty amazing. If that doesn't show you how tough motocrossers are, I don't know what will. Back to the championship leaders, Christian Craig and Jet Lawrence kind of both did what they needed to do to maintain their respective championship leads with the second and third place finishes. So Jet Lawrence heads into Foxborough next weekend with the 47-point lead over R.J. Hampshire with a chance to clinch the title. And then out west, meanwhile, Christian Craig holds a 23-point lead over Hunter Lawrence, can also clinch the, uh, the title in the west region in two weeks in Denver. This week's industry spotlight, with support from the motocross industry, MX Sports has announced Operation Ranch Rebuild, a continuation of its efforts to spearhead the restoration of the famed racetrack and campground at Tennessee's Loretta Lynn's Ranch. As part of the organized effort, MX Sports and the Road to Recovery Foundation will provide crucial funds to the community of Waverly as the town continues its recovery from the tragic floods that overwhelmed the region last August. To help advance the process, Operation Ranch Rebuild will provide a team of 60 individuals to help bring the ranch back to life while also beginning the process of donating the money raised to individuals, families, and small businesses within the town of Waverly, Tennessee. For more information about Operation Ranch Rebuild and how you can get involved, head to mxsports.com. We'd like to give a warm pit pass moto welcome to legendary moto photographer, videographer, and journalist, Simon Cudby. Simon, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are you today? I'm good, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. So I understand you have a new endeavor called Off-Road Underground, and you've been doing quite a bit of traveling, capturing photos and video. I believe you also just returned from a trip to Greece as uh, one of those trips uh, I was just speaking of. Tell us a little bit about that. My Greece trip just kind of is lingering because I'm still jet lagged about five days later. So <laughs> I was awake at 2 a.m. this morning. So I'm struggling a bit today, but Off-Road Underground, I kind of started at the end of last year. And uh, I'd been traveling a lot before that, shooting photos for various companies and clients. And this year, I kind of ramped it up a bit. I've got more time on my hands now and uh, been going on trips every month. So we went to Moab, January, then Baja, then Costa Rica, and then, as you say, most recently to Greece and uh, heading out to Arizona next week to go ride and shoot, basically producing content for various brands these days. And uh, it's, it's actually working out really well. And flying solo for me is really good. And um, I've, I've got friends helping me. It's been good so far. It seems like you've been doing a ton of traveling with, with this new business. I think this year alone, you've gone to, to Moab, You've been to Baja, Costa Rica, and again, most recently, Greece. Tell us a little bit more about these, these trips that you're going on. They're kind of like what I would call like a content gathering trip, I guess, so to speak. And, and you're doing this for some brands in the industry. And So yeah, tell us a little bit more about these trips and, and what you have going on with them. 
So this year, um, connected with some brands, the main one being Alpine Stars. Uh, Alpine Stars is really wanting to push their adventure bike line. So I met with Gabrielle, the owner, and, and some of the guys there at the end of last year. And we put together a deal to go on a trip every month to produce content. And basically, I have some other brands involved as well that I can do content for and, uh, you know, we were just talking prior to the call about if you're in the industry, you don't get to ride much. So some of these brands I'm shooting for, they can't go do this stuff themselves because it's too expensive, takes people away from the office, all that kind of stuff. So being able to do it myself has, has been really good. And got my buddy, Randy Commons, who works at Maxima as an art director. He goes on some of these trips with me and it's, it's actually working out really well. And we're actually having fun riding our motorcycles and going to Greece sounds really cool but it's a lot of work a lot of travel and uh you know i'm paying the price with jet lag right now for sure simon kind of shifting gears maybe a little bit the sport of motocross and supercross it's kind of a helmet on sport so the fans don't always get to make the face connection to the to the riders necessarily do you prefer to shoot action photos over a rider's personality or their face or is it more the face and, and kind of getting their personality out in front of the camera? And what's your what's some of your favorite collaborations in that in that idea? Yeah, I mean, up until the end of 2016, I was going to all all of the Supercross and Motocross races, and that that proved to be quite unsustainable for me, just just with the rise of social media and that kind of stuff. So I wasn't actually towards the end shooting much specific stuff that wasn't racing related. You know, um, we'd get so much content. I was shoot, you know I shoot for Racer X and get so much content at a race that the need for a portrait of Ken Roxon, for example, didn't really arise anymore because because we had so much so much racing going on. Previously, Racer X, when it started, was was a lifestyle magazine pretty much. And when I I've been shooting for them since I think 1999 or 2000, and we used to shoot a lot more specific portrait stuff. And maybe we'll be doing some some more of that in the future. But uh, right now, it seems to be pretty action photo heavy. With that in mind, I know uh, a lot of photography purists always want to talk about black and white versus color photography, and I kind of have my own personal opinion about it, but I wanted to ask yours. I mean, which medium of the two conveys the most strong feeling for the observer for, in your mind, or which one tells a story better? Is it black and white or color, or, or it really doesn't matter? I think if, you, if you're talking about specifically motocross or supercross images i mean i think the color image is is what it's all about you know with the colorful bikes the colorful gear colorful backgrounds i think i think you need color in that but my background is i started shooting film day one basically and uh i didn't switch to digital until the end of 2003 but in sort of the late 80s i mean i went to college in england for a couple of years doing photography and uh learned to black and white print and color print and all that kind of stuff so I have a technical background, and then I'd started reading these Ansel Adams books that were very technical as far as exposure and processing and printing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I mean, obviously, Ansel Adams is probably the most famous black and white photographer ever, and his images are incredible. And the fact that he used to cart all his stuff around on the back of a donkey and shoot, shoot all this stuff and get these amazing images was was really inspirational for me. So I guess to answer your question, you know, the black and white landscape stuff is is amazing. But as far as moto and supercross and, and adventure bike travel now, for me, I think I think I prefer color. 
Yeah, that's interesting. You said, so you're talking about these landscapes, which to me is, is such a departure from action photography. Tell us some of the, the, the differences between the two. Like, that, like what, do you, what do you like about shooting action compared to these landscapes? Tell us a little bit also about your background and how did you get into shooting motorcycles in photography? First part to that, you know, the, the landscape photography thing. I mean, I've, I like to, I guess the reason I like riding my adventure bike now is to get away from everything, you know, and going out to these areas. And I think I've, I've found what I really like doing, which is combining my love of landscape photography, which I did way before I even set foot in a Supercross stadium. I was really into landscape stuff. And uh, now that I can mesh landscape with motorcycles on these adventure bike trips, it, it's, it's been really good. On another note, I'm, I'm curious to know, Simon, so you have a, have a reputation for being one of the hardest working photographers in the industry. In fact, in my some of my past jobs, you and I got to work together quite a bit. Definitely saved my hide a few times, delivering photos on time. Is that something that's like consciously that you do as, as part of your business as a photographer? Because it seems like you're, you're the type of guy that like you underpromise, you overdeliver. I always knew when I came to work on a Monday that there was going to be you know photos that I could use to build social media, advertisements, all that stuff. It's something that I think is underappreciated in our industry and something you do really well. Yeah, for me, when I was in the trenches at the races, I, my goal was to make sure that guys like yourself were happy. And so that next year when I came to you and said, hey, do you want to do race photos again? You'd be like, yeah, it worked out great. So I was very conscious about not giving a client, a reason to leave, you know, trying to shoot quality images and delivering them on time and making it easy for you to, to produce this stuff took a lot, a lot of work on my end in the background. But when, like, like you say, when you showed up Monday morning, you had the images and there was stuff there for, to, for you to use for your ads and, and whatever. So going to the races was a lot of work. And, and, you know, going back to my recent trip to Greece, I mean, we, we were on our bikes for 10 or 11 hours a day you know, a couple of nights we got in after dark at like 9 p.m. And then you got to get, you know, get to the hotel. You got to get changed. You got to go try and find food. And then you're up the next morning early to, to go out and, and do the same thing again. And I like to over deliver so that people are like, yeah, this, this is good for us. And we want to continue to do it. Simon, I'm curious with the, with the advent of the internet, and you're kind of growing into it in your, in your profession from, from where it began as more print and has evolved into internet. What's been some of the challenges for you, or maybe just photographers in general and anybody kind of trying to create their own content? What's the challenge to controlling your own content and owning it and having those controls in place? Is it harder to do now or is it getting better or is it easier? What's that landscape look like? I think it's definitely harder to control where the images show up these days because everyone can just repost or cut and paste and it's challenging. You know, you can, you can kind of lose your mind a little bit. I know I had a couple episodes at Supercross where some OEMs were using my stuff and they were just reposting it from someone else. And I was like, you can't do that. And they're like, well, we can. And I'm like, well, you can't. So it kind of got weird there. But I think now with what I'm doing these days, I want people to repost my images because it just gets my brand out there and it helps the brands I'm shooting for to have their gear or bags or tires show up in multiple places. So I've kind of embraced the, the thought that it's a free-for-all now for these images because it helps promote the companies because they're paying me to produce these, these shots. So I'm okay, I'm getting paid. So, but back when I was at the races, when when you'd have people using your stuff and you're like, man, I just I just killed myself this weekend and you're just going to take this and use it for free. It, does, it doesn't seem fair, you know, and I think that 
with the growth of social media, especially Instagram, I got on it, I think 2012 or 13. And I was delivering images straight away to Racer X and KTM and Honda and that. And uh, they were all appreciative. But when you get some guy sitting in his basement somewhere and just building his own Instagram page based off of my work, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to take that, you know? Yeah, as I can imagine, but I think you kind of alluded to there's some value in it at the same time. It's kind of a strange relationship, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I need to pay my bills. I need to pay pay for my car and pay for my mortgage and pay get my kids through school and that. And uh, when I'm doing the work and I've got companies paying for it and then somebody else is just using it and thinking they're doing me a favor by giving me photo credit, that that doesn't <laughs> I can't I can't cash that photo credit at the bank, you know, if you want to use my stuff at the races, you know, you should pay. And it's the same for every photographer, you know, this, the fact that it's there doesn't mean you can just grab it and use it. You know, somebody's worked really hard to get that and paid, paid for hotels and flights and rental cars and sweat and all that stuff to, to get these shots. So when I do deals with companies for photography, I really appreciate their support, you know, and I want to make sure, as I said earlier, that that they're happy and they get images that they need. And if they want to share them with someone else, that's okay, you know. So one more question before we start wrapping up, and it's, it'll be a two-part question here. So how many, I'm curious to know, how many Racer X Illustrated covers have you had throughout your career? And is there one or two favorites that really kind of stand out as some of your favorite photos? Well, speaking of Racer X, I mean, I just want to throw in real quick, I, I owe pretty much my whole career to Davey Coombs and Eric Johnson. And I want to say thanks to those guys for taking a chance with me back at end of the 90s. So thanks to those guys. But as far as how many covers, I think I counted two years ago. And I haven't really got many covers lately, maybe two or three over the last couple of years because I haven't gone to the races so much anymore. But I think at that point I had about 170 covers with Racer X. And then I, I was shooting for other com- other magazines worldwide too like on track off road and some magazines in australia so can't really keep count of those ones but yeah racer x has been has been really good to me and as far as picking a favorite cover i mean if i was to go all the way back to the beginning of when when i met davy and eric from racer x i had shot a jeremy mcgrath cover in practice or jeremy mcgrath shot in practice and back then i was scanning my own slides and sending out cds and Eric Johnson was like, I'll oh, send us some stuff. And I, I sent a CD to Davey back, back in West Virginia and he was opening the CD and it was taking forever because the file was big and the computers were slow. And finally this McGrath image popped up and he's like, okay, that's the cover. So if I look back at that photo, it means a lot to me. And I, I think first one for me is probably, probably my favorite. Well, you've definitely had some iconic covers through the years and uh... We're super excited to see, uh, you know, what what more you have coming down the road on some of these content-seeking adventures you've been going on. Really appreciate your time today, Simon. But at this moment, if you'd like to uh, share anything else with our listeners and uh, where people can find your business, now would be the time. My Instagram is at Offroad Underground Official. I try to get Offroad Underground, but some kid somewhere has it. So <laughs> it's Offroad Underground Official, but my website is offroadunderground.com. And basically the website is a placeholder for photo galleries and videos and stuff that I do on these trips. So I'm not selling any hats or t-shirts or anything. There's no advertising on the website. So it's just a place if you want to go and see photos of guys riding adventure bikes all over the world. It's a good place to go. So that's offroadunderground.com. 
Simon, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much and all the best for your new business. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for everything. Thanks again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog and our brand new store where you can get your Pit Pass swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dale Spangler. And I'm Dave Selecki. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.